that's a great example of, uh, I guess, somebody coming to us saying, look, I know we need a presence and I sort of roughly know what it needs to do, but can you help us make that a reality? And, and you know, that's that's sort of what we, uh, what we do. On today's show, we're talking to Mike Rose, the founder and CEO of Consult My App. With so many apps downloaded to your phone, how do you make sure that people continue to use the app after it's been installed and perhaps forgotten about? This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Welcome to today's show. Apologies for a slight drop in sound quality. I promise that that will not affect the interview, which will be as pitch perfect as ever. But I am in Spain on annual leave. I'm joined as ever by Akish, who's in London, which I understand is is beautifully warm right now, right, mate? Oh, it is beautifully cold at the moment, and I'm not on annual leave. So uh, not only are you in a better climate than me, you're in a better place and, and off work. But, you know, we're doing this. Yeah, 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 here I am doing this. Yeah, but, you know, this is... I mean, yeah, it's kind of work, but it's kind it of is, not It is, mate. Mate, it is my job. It this is, is your my job. job. Yeah, yeah. Don't, 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 you know, trivialise it. This, <laughs> this is what I actually get paid to do. That's I know true. you volunteer. <laughs> but it's enjoyable, right? It's the enjoyable part, you know. It is. You'd rather it this is. than write emails and get on Zoom calls and, you know, actually. Well, I do all those things too, but yeah. just not about the same things. Yeah, exactly. But no, mate, all good. All good. What what plans have you got with regards to, to the rest of your week? Um, just not like gloating, asking you about your working week whilst um, um, yeah, just working, nothing much really, mate, to be honest. Um, oh, but okay. the uh, the Christmas festivities start on Friday. Oh, uh, do they? Well, in 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 my friendship group, and um, you know, a phrase commonly called around the city of silly season. So, um, it is you know we're getting to that period of the year where basically you can go out every night and you know, be pretty drunk and be pretty merry. Um, so that starts on Friday. So I'm looking you know, forward you to know that. What's, you know what's before that? What is before that? Thursday. Mm-hmm. I want to say happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. It is Thanksgiving. I didn't know that until right now. So, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it kind of would slip me by if I hadn't seen that Joe Biden made a joke about turkeys. Oh right, okay, okay. I, I I do hope that the the Americans don't or are not facing a, a shortage of turkeys this year. Um, no, I can't imagine that they are. Apparently, we're going to be facing a shortage of turkeys. Well, Christmas. to be fair, turkeys are an American addition to our traditions. Hmm. Uh, prior to us having turkeys, it was always goose. So if you go find yourselves a goose this Christmas, hmm. then actually you're being uber traditional. And um, I don't know how much they cost. I imagine goose are quite expensive, but... Maybe. What's the price of goose? I'm not Googling that because that's just stupid. But anyway. What, what would be brilliant is if we could find an app to source geese for your Christmas yeah. table. Yeah. That Do you think it exists? It doesn't, but you're, you've... Well, it probably does. I, I haven't come across one, but you'll probably tell me that uh, someone who we've got on the show is able to tell us about it. Well, mate, I don't, know, I don't know whether he can, but today's guest <laughs> is, um, is the founder and CEO of Consult, my app, Mike Rhodes. We'll hand over to the interview and we'll come back with some comments on it afterwards. 
So today I'm talking to Mike Rhodes. Uh, Mike, you, uh, I was going to say lead, but it's, it's your business, not lead. Um, are you founder? Are you co-founder? Founder? I'm, I'm a bit of everything. So I'm, I'm the founder. I set it up uh, myself with you know a few grand in my pocket about five years ago. <laughs> but enough money to pay for at least one month's rent. Uh, so I wasn't totally homeless. Um, and I also take on the CEO role. Um, uh, I do, you know, I used to do a bit of everything, sales, marketing, still do some sales. And, yeah. you know, it's, a, you know, the nature of a, a startup business when there's only sort of 40 of you there, it's, you, you sort of get involved and do do lots. But, uh, yeah, I'm the, the sort of sole founder uh, and CEO. We've got a new managing director joining us on the 1st of November. So I will no longer be the MD. <laughs> so you are founder and CEO of Consult My App. Yes, that is it. And who are Consult My App for anyone listening? So consult my app. We are a mobile marketing agency. I use the term loosely, but you know most people get what an agency is and what it does with managed services that, that we are, a mobile marketing agency slash consultancy. Um, and I, I play on that point a lot because we're, we're more like an Accenture Deloitte than we are a sort of media com as an agency um, uh, in the way we, we conduct ourselves. We work in the app marketing space. So basically we work with clients all over the world from General Motors to uh Sega to Bet America to Hepsi Brother in Turkey and, and many, many in between. Um really to to help them uh market their apps and make them as good as they, they possibly can be. So that really covers towards a sort of a trinity of of marketing practices and services which are paid media, user acquisitions. Uh, most people will be familiar with that. And that's it's all about uh, sort of putting money into a, a channel uh, in order to acquire new users. Uh, App store optimization, which is another side of the same coin, and that's about organic acquisition, and that's making sure that your your storefront on on the app stores uh, uh, is as effective as it possibly can be and as visible as it can be. So uh, we make sure that when people are looking for, um, let's say, a uh, a food delivery app, that Wheezy appears up there. If you're looking for groceries on demand, uh, Wheezy will be surfacing to the top. Uh, and then when they find that, they actually go on and install it so that it looks as nice as it possibly can be and as enticing. Uh, and then the, the, the sort of other side of it then is post-acquisition. So what happens when you've got those users? Uh, how do you sort of retain them and, and engage them uh, and ultimately convert them into something that, that's worth worth something to your business? And that, that's different things to different people. So for the publishers we work with and the newspapers, that might just be making sure that people read as many articles as they can do or listen to as many uh, podcasts as they possibly can because it's going to be advertising crammed in the middle and that's how they monetize them. Um, or or for, for other clients, it might be you know simply purchasing or subscribing to, to a service. Um, but those three basically work in tandem. So it's very important that you know they're addressed as a, as a whole and that's why our business uh, business really functions around those uh, those three core core areas. I just want to unpick something slightly because I want to see if I'm typical or maybe I'm I'm the the outlier here. You say there that people would go onto a storefront and they'd look for an app for a certain thing. And I'm looking at my phone and there's only one or two apps where I've probably done that. Mm-hmm. So for, from an exercise point of view, I'd looked for an interval timer and I'd found an interval timer. And it tends to be kind of almost tools or utility type things. But most of the apps that I download onto my phone is because there's a company or a service in particular that I want to use. And then I look to see if they've got an app, mm-hmm. which invariably most do. So OS maps, um, want, you know, moved to a new area, wanted to kind of get a lie of the land. Google maps isn't particularly detailed or OS maps have got an app. 
let's download that. Yeah. Is that how do how do people normally find apps and, and engage? Yeah, so I mean, it's the reason it's important, uh, and, and specifically we're referring to the area of app store optimization here. The reason it's important that you do this is because yes, you can easily rely on, on brand traffic. So if I'm um, Facebook, for instance, why would I even bother, you know, doing ASO? And quite right, because you know, ninety nine point nine percent of your traffic is going to come through people typing in Facebook. They're not going to go for those generics. They don't really care if somebody's looking for, I don't know, social media in general. Uh, and, and, you know, they probably rank well for it anyway because it's got very high install volume. Um, however, for, you know, the rest of the market that doesn't quite have the brand dominance of, of Facebook, um, they are competing on on three three sets of keywords, really, and search terms. And this is this is the, the important stuff. And that, so they're looking to capture both their own brand. So if somebody's searching for Pure Gym, for instance, they find the Pure Gym app. They also want to capture their competitors. So if somebody's searching for, um, let's say, Amazon in Turkey, they want to, ideally, Hepsi Brado want to rank above that. And somebody might look at that and go, oh, hold on a minute. Um, maybe I'm going to try Hepsi Brado uh, because I haven't, uh, I haven't used them before. Maybe they've got something Amazon doesn't, uh, and they're actually ranking quite highly. So they want to capture traffic off and installers and users off, off their competitors. And the third piece, and this is the real difficult bit, is generic terms. So the generic terms are things like uh, food delivery, grocery delivery, uh, you know, <laughs> groceries in London immediately, now, 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 as we all want everything uh, in, within seconds. You know, those those terms, there's actually a massive number of people, would you believe, that aren't searching for just brands. They're, they will just open the app up and say, you know, I'm looking for a, uh, a I don't know, maybe a zombie game, or I'm looking for, uh, like I said, grocery delivery, or I'm looking for a gambling app or something to play fantasy football on. Uh, and they might not have a specific brand in mind. Uh, and then when they go in there, it's all about making sure that you're, you know, front of mind. So when they search for fantasy football app, actually what you get at the top is something like Super Draft rather than DraftKings. So in the US is obviously an example, but uh, those those generic terms are really an art form in order to to sort of rank very well for because you know ultimately everybody in the world apart from those super super large brands is trying to capture that that sort of high intent uh, traffic. Now I read somewhere that the stats were something like most people download an app and they open it once and and there's an alarmingly high amount of apps that you then never open ever again. Um, and you were talking about you know keeping someone engaged uh, and um you know that post acquisition piece mm. what what are the challenges? why is it that so many people kind of download apps and then just don't open them again well i think a lot of it is people forget i mean uh, you'll find that people might need an app uh, i don't know to write a shopping list on <laughs> just for argument's sake let's keep it simple so so i know i need to write a shopping list you know they download it they write the shopping list they go off to sainsbury's or Tesco or Waitrose, if you're in an affluent area, uh, and they go and you know make uh, you know buy the stuff, and then you know that that has it served its purpose and it's done, and you maybe you don't go shopping for a couple of weeks and you sort of forget about it, and uh, and and that's it. So that's the the challenge there is making sure people don't forget about it. So you've got to keep keep it front of mind. Um, I'll give you a good example of um, <clears throat> excuse me, O2 Priority, one of our clients. Um, priority is one of those things that you're going to use once to find a ticket. And I, I was like, I want, well, actually, I'm going to see if they have an offer on a free coffee today. Um, you know, so it's got a, a utility at that moment. But then you might not use it for, if you're not careful, you might not use it for six months or 12. You might even just forget you've got it on your phone. 
So really, it's about making sure it's front of mind. And it's not even the marketing strategy there from an ASO point of view isn't to get people to install it because, you know, the priority app is downloaded millions of times. I mean, on so many phones, you wouldn't believe. But so many of those people have forgotten about it. So what we do is we then make sure when someone's looking for, you know, offers or, or discount tickets, that O2 Priority appears in front of them. Like, ah, hold on, yeah, I've got that app on my phone. And that's the key to remarketing and actually keeping those users uh, retained within your app and not letting them forget about it. So you're totally right that loads of people, you know, download an app and then that's that's the end of it. Uh, but if you get your marketing strategy right, actually you should be able to keep those people because, you know, you worked hard enough to get them to install the thing in the first place. Uh, it's almost a scandal to... Uh, to sort of uh, let let those users churn after session one, and uh, uh, and there are lots of things that that we do as a team to to help our clients in that. So, this might be a bit of a naive question, but is is the way that people kind of think and, and think about their apps, build their apps, what they put on their apps, changing? Because I suppose there was this rush to kind of just get apps out there, and there was mobile web apps, and then they were just kind of an extension of what you kind of got online. But increasingly, uh, I'll be I'll be very um, uh transparent here there's there's a there's an app for charity called um primaries closing uh cholangitis psc support that i know about because i have it <laughs> which is is not hidden um and they were up for some awards recently and their app is slightly different like you've obviously got the website that's got all the information the app also has a bunch of information but i think you can kind of like store virtual cards in there to show to doctors and bits and pieces so that so it's actually got practical purpose that that is almost like a right, if I'm in hospital and I, I need some help, I can show you this and, and this explains what the situation is. Are people beginning to think about apps differently from traditional uses of, of web? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got the mobile first people, right? The, the, you know, the, the people that were only ever in the mobile world, like Candy Crush, another one of our clients, King.com. Um, so not to name drop them all here, but, you know, just very good examples. But, you know, those guys built a product that was built for mobile. It was very, very good at what it did. And, it, you know, it, it engaged people and utilized all of the technologies and still does that are available to it on the, the various operating systems, whether it's sort of Kindle or uh, Android or, or iOS. Uh, and, you know, those products have always been, um, you know, mobile first and, and are very slick. They're built uh, really only to exist on the mobile world. Then you've got all of those companies that sort of might even be traditional bricks and mortar and that have added sort of digital, which to them was web. Uh, that then wanted to get in on the game. Uh, like you said, they, they sort of thought, well, the easy way is to release a wrapper app. So it's just, a, you know, a, a basically wraps the website and, and away you go and uh, and you put it in the store. The problem with that is the experience is not so slick. And as users have got more and more savvy over the last, now I'd say the last probably three or four years, really, people are expecting a lot more from it. They do not want to go in and have this laggy web interface inside inside a, a an app they're expecting a lot more from it uh, and that has you know a knock-on effect in terms of that retention uh, and ultimately it, it ends up with a lot of people spending a lot of money on acquisition that, that just goes to waste because it's a poor experience uh, and in fact apple uh if we go to the gaming sector and by this I, I mean real money gambling went so far as to actually ban these apps about a year ago from their store in that market because they said, hold on a minute, you're releasing these apps uh, that are essentially, they've got web content in them and we're approving them, but then you could just effectively change what you like because you can put anything inside that web, uh, web browser window that you've got inside the app. Therefore, that is no longer compliant. And all, that whole sector 
spent months and months, and we worked with a lot of those guys, months and months, uh, rebuilding their apps to make them fully native because no longer could you have could you have that web experience in there? And Apple, I am certain, is going to start rolling that out into other sectors. We won't, I think we saw them test the water with the with the gambling sector, but I'm pretty certain they're going to start applying that policy. Although it technically covers all sectors at the moment, they've only applied it in one. I think they're going to start applying it very soon to the other sectors. So if you've got a web wrapper app, probably now is the time to start looking at it before you get kicked out of the store. Or at the very least, you're not going to be able to update it. So, yeah, it's mm. actually a very, very valid point. So, look, just very kind of broadly speaking, then, if, if someone is sitting there and they they do want to have an app and maybe they're not traditionally mobile first and they're a bit more bricks and mortar, what, what kind of stuff do clients come to you first off? What kind of questions do they have? And maybe what kind of myths do you have to dispel for them? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we're, <clears throat> sorry, we're, to, to, to be open, we're not a an app development company. So we, we, we No, but in, sorry, in terms of if they, 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 they need to, maybe they need to make changes. Maybe they need to market it better because yeah, there might be an element that if, if you see it, you, you must kind of go, look, that's not going to work for X, Y, Z reason. Maybe you need to go back and have a conversation with someone. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And David, like your, your original question was actually bang on because, you know, we aren't a development company, but we still get people coming to us. And, you know, as a consultancy, it's our job to advise these uh, these clients of ours on, you know, what should they be doing and what they should they be looking at from a mobile app perspective? What what are the questions? What are you trying to achieve ultimately? I mean, a lot of you, people, you can't market something that doesn't work, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, from our perspective, if we've got a you know a lame donkey, then you know it's, we're not going to look particularly good if we're working with it. So you know, it's in our interest to make sure that our clients have something which is is absolutely spot on. And we we partner with a, a company up in Manchester. Um, drop the name it's degree 53 but they they build lots of apps for different people and you know we've got a really good partnership with them where we we sort of you know collect the brief we uh, we did it recently for the church of sweden actually um so i'll move away the other end of the scale away from gambling to to religious apps so the church of sweden uh we just, were- just to jump in a couple of years ago i was i was at web summit and i have to say that i cynically found it hilarious that there was basically a pope app that allowed you to pray i was like <laughs> surely this is Hey, <laughs> this is the opposite of what all of that is. Anyway, never mind. Sorry. Hey, hey, big business, big business for those sorts of apps. Um, so yeah, with the church screen, we, we basically helped the church to understand, you know, how what were they trying to do? They're trying to engage their congregations better, particularly in lockdown, because yeah. people couldn't physically attend the churches. Um, hey, not we developed this, this wonderful app, um, which is now starting to get deployed, you know, globally for, for the church. Uh, and we, we gave it to them, and then we it took it back and started to to market it to find you know, find the right people to use it, uh, and ultimately uh, go on and uh, <clears throat> go on and, and sort of conduct worship through through the app. And that's a great example of, uh, I guess, somebody coming to us saying, "Look, I know we need a presence, and I sort of roughly know what it needs to do, but can you help us make that a reality?" And, and you know, that's that's sort of what we uh, what we do. So you mentioned at the top of the interview. That you you started this business with about five grand in your pocket, enough to pay rent. Yeah, just just about. So <clears throat> it was uh, a long, long time ago. So it's about five years ago. Um, I, you know, I was working. I've been working. My, my, historically, my my background is data analytics. I'm a computer science grad, so I love everything techie and data and geeky. Um, uh, but I moved into the uh, app app world about eight nine years ago now. Maybe eight years ago. Um, I got a, friend, a call from a friend who I used to work with at a company called Experian. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm going completely out here. I've been asked to set up the European office for a, 
a mobile um, software vendor uh, that, that sort of dealt in mobile marketing. Do you want to come and join me? And I said, yeah, why not? So I, I, I sort of came along as his professional services, technical support, general dog's body person to help him set that office up. And, you know, we, we grew it out. And then I joined another company, um, restructured their EMEA services team and consultancy team. And, you know, I did that for about six or seven months. And at, at that point, I sort of realized, oh, there's, there's a market here for actually this knowledge, not belonging to a specific software vendor like I was doing it, but actually just in general being an agnostic company. Uh, and that's really where Consult My App was sort of born. So we're, well, I think we're four, four years, 11 months and a few days old. <laughs> so we're not quite at the five-year mark. We're not far off, though. Um, and, yeah, so basically I, I sort of took the, took the leap of faith um, into – uh, into to running CMA and you know it started off really just it was almost me as a contractor CMA for the first 18 months was was just Mike Rhodes <laughs> basically uh, running it and you know but bit by bit after a lot of you know a lot of legwork and you know just doing a, a good job and establishing at least me in the industry that I actually started to be able to take take people on and you know we're we're now uh, sort of 40 or people we're recruiting you know still ongoing so I suspect we'll be twice that size by by the end of uh, end of next year, um, but uh, yeah, it's been a been a long long journey. But we haven't had any funding, which has made it challenging, but also quite satisfying. <laughs> there is like that. There's two models to building a business, right? There's the here's a startup. Maybe they go through an incubator, but they go through seed round, ABC, and acquiring users, etc. And that very kind of that's a startup model. And then there's the model you just described, which is I'm a consultant and the building just happens organically. And maybe it's slower and maybe you're not kind of thinking this could be a unicorn and we're going to raise <laughs> X. Not to say that the business can't get massive over time, but it's not it's not the kind of the, the path that you've gone for from, from day one. People are probably more drawn to the traditional startup model because it's kind of Hollywood and it's glam and it's got that kind of that, shtick about it right if 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 someone is if you're trying to give someone an advice if they've got they've got a problem they're trying to solve and you're saying right sit down have a think about how to how to build your business why would you advocate the route that you've gone down i think it is yeah it's more boring it's not as sexy as you know taking 20 million and uh and and sort of getting some lovely offices and recruiting 100 people overnight and then not knowing what to do with them um, <laughs> and you know i've seen the thing is, we work with a lot of uh, start in the app world, so we see startups left, right, and center. We're, we're immersed in that world, so I, I've seen it happen plenty of times. But I've also seen good examples of where, where it's actually worked. But <clears throat> I would advocate doing it this way, just because it's, you know, it's it's uh, like I said, it's not sexy, but it's slow and steady. Uh, and what I would say is, we've built a very stable business off the back of it because I haven't ever been able to run at a loss. So we've always been, <clears throat> you know, we've always been having to make money in the business so i've never been at a position where i can just go and throw you know 100 grand at some marketing budget uh, marketing spend and and hope that it does something and if it doesn't well you know it's not my hundred thousand if i did that and that's 100 grand out my own pocket so you know i make sure it really focuses your mind on putting the 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 the, the, the pounds and the dollars in u.s parlance you know where where they're actually going to have an effect and i think in that sense i built a very efficient and slick machine uh, through necessity, because, you know, if I didn't do it that way, quite simply, given we fund ourselves, the company would have gone uh, gone out of business. So I think it focuses the mind and it ensures, it gives you a sort of 
<clears throat> almost a guarantee that whatever business you've got out of it, if it's still going in five years, it's going to be healthy and, and robust and, and obviously uh, exhibiting sort of significant growth. Um, the flip side, obviously, is that, you know, you try it and there are lots of good ideas that just don't ever get off the ground. And in that sense, you know, I'm fortunate that I was in you know, the market at the right place, the right time with the right sort of concept for, for a consultancy firm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, it, it does give you that sense of also great satisfaction, I think, at the end of it, knowing that, you know, <clears throat> I've not relied on anyone else to do this and, and, and ultimately we, we've got to where we are. What I would suggest, however, if I had the chance to do it again, I'd probably try and bring someone along with me as a partner um, right. <clears throat> because, you know, when it's just you doing everything, it gets very, very tiring. Uh, I'm only 21. But <laughs> 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 Look at me now. No, I'm, I, but yeah, I definitely feel like I've aged a lot in the last five years. Uh, so I would, I would suggest if you can, and it's not obviously all, always possible because somebody else needs to have that leap of faith with you, uh, try, and, try and get a partner alongside because it just makes things so much easier if you can split tasks and work up. Well, look, I really appreciate your time this morning. It's been a pleasure to speak to you, Mike. Um, it's Friday when we're recording, so enjoy your weekend. Yes, likewise to you, David. Have a good one. I don't know about you, but I have got loads of apps that I open very infrequently. Mm. Mm. I've, do you know what? When I was listening to the interview, I did have a look. I've got a load of apps that I didn't even know existed on my phone because they're not on my home screen thing, but they are on my search bar. Like, I actually had one... This is quite embarrassing, but I actually had an app which times um, how long to brush your teeth because I'm going through some dental work at the moment and uh, I got told that I need to brush for a specific amount of time and, and the dentist told me to download this app, so I had an app for it. Yeah, out, out of interest, what's wrong with yeah. just starting your timer when you start brushing your teeth? Because it's like certain sections of your mouth and you know, parts of like your gum, like the inside, the up and all this, mate, yeah, don't, you're looking at me really confused, but I sound like an absolute idiot saying it as well, to be fair. Um, and Hannah Stevens, if she's probably listened to this, will call me a bigger idiot than, you know, she already has. So, uh, well, no, you know what it's doing? It, it's demystifying the notion that Brits have bad teeth. I mean, I'm not yeah. a great example, but you, mate, there you go. You have lovely teeth. Any Americans yeah. listening, a little nod again towards Thanksgiving. A quiche, defying stereotypes. Here's a here's a Brit with good teeth, and he's got an app to make it even better. I'll get work done to make so yeah, they could be better. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Austin Powers. No, no, not that. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it is important to keep. I, I can understand how important it might be to keep apps front and centre of mind. And I'd never really thought of the concept of remarketing. I mm. always imagined it was very much about marketing going into the app store, getting it to the top of the list in terms of downloadable options. And Mike, Mike obviously, is someone who's worked in this space for a long time. I rarely go in and search for a generic app and look for a tool to do something. I, I, I typically look for a specific app that I want. Like, mm. okay, I'm getting on an EasyJet flight. I don't have the app. Let's download EasyJet. But I've got a lot of apps that I have downloaded that I specifically search for that I don't go back and use on a frequent basis. And so therefore, remarketing is is a new concept to me, but, 
but one that really resonates. And I totally get that there are people who use their phones differently and will search for something because they want a tool to do a specific thing. But yeah, I, that, that actually I found quite interesting. Yeah, and I think that remarketing thing definitely works for people. I don't want to say your average Joe, but like, you know, someone that just has something on their phone and then they'll just be like, forget about it, won't necessarily, you know, see the use of it, but then they might be going through something again and they go, oh, actually, you know, think back, I remember seeing this and let me go back and do it. Do you know what I mean? And that will just help um, users and, and people, you know, downloads and, and whatever, um, which really helps. And and the thing is, there is now literally, and I know this is quite a corny saying, but there's an app for it, like an app for anything. Um yeah. And the fact that there's so many available and you can use them in all kinds of, you know, kind of walks of life, um, I think it's great. Like I, I download, I didn't download it. A friend of mine downloaded this, uh, an app a few weeks ago, which um, I'm not quite sure what it's called, but it, it's when we were at a restaurant and we had to pay the bill and, and, you know, we were like, oh, so the old school person would do like a card roulette. You put all your cards somewhere or you let the waitress pick it or you know, there was an app where you basically put your thumb on it and each thumb is a different color. And if the color, if the whole screen turns that color of your thumb, for example, red or green or orange, you're out of the game. And the last thumb left, you know, in this case pays the bill, but that could be used in anything like, you know, that could be used in kind of, you know, deciding on who goes first in a certain race or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, just like I think it was some sort of randomizer app or something. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, just kind of things like that. I think you know if they were kind of remarketed, that there's probably other ways of using it, which which is cool. Out of interest, would it matter to you if Uber or Bolt, let's say Bolt, who we've had on the show previously, um, if they are the number one hit in the app store? Or would you look for Uber? Because I suppose here, that's where, you know, mm. is, is it, where does brand identity stop and the ability of a company like Consult My App? Like, I, I would imagine that those kind of titles, it's very mm. difficult for Mike and his team to really have a massive impact. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe then they get into the nuts and bolts of helping elements of the usability although that's not really their piece mm. um but but what you know do you, do you think that the 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 ranking in the store matters when it's a brand like that or or are those brands kind of a little bit above marketing and remarketing and, and some of them have just become ubiquitous yeah i think i think i think some of those i mean you talk about uber and even bolt to be honest they're, they're very much household names now so i think if they were number one they're number one you know, for, for a reason and users across the world and that sort of thing. For me personally, I can fluctuate between either knowing if I get into an app store and I need to, you know, get a cab or whatever, knowing, oh, Uber do this. So for me, I'll just click on what I know and who I know and who I think can be trusted. But then if if I have a bit of time or whatever, or, you know, I might just search for other ones and kind of see and you know, do a bit of, I say do a bit of research, like a two minute Google or a watch a three minute YouTube video. And I'm like, yeah, cool. You sound good. And I'll, you know, kind of get it. So yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, but I think, I think where, where consult my app probably come in 
is they are probably because they're providing that expertise and the delivery into the optimization i think call it app store optimization i think um they're probably dealing with a layer down i'd say but i mean you saw the sorts of names he was mentioning in the interview right anything from what was it like a swedish church to you know candy crush and you know these sorts of names so like they they will definitely help you um with the design and kind of strategies and i'm sure that kind of mobile marketing thing will be is key well it is key right um it's how people connect and very quickly whilst we're at it because i think this is fun to say um what's your top two or three most used apps i would probably say whatsapp right and instagram maybe youtube's probably in there i I think i'll probably watch more you i think i'll probably watch more youtube than netflix this and this this is quite a weird comment to make but i think i watch more youtube than netflix because I follow like a lot of people um, and sports like interviews and stuff. And especially this week, seeing as um, the team that I follow is football manager has been sacked. So I've been listening to a lot of people express their views on YouTube. Um, and I, I do, have, I do have YouTube premium. So I am looking after the, you know, people that make YouTube content that and have a living and stuff like that. So I'm not just skipping through ads. I'm paying a monthly subscription. Um, so I don't have to skip for ads. <laughs> it's all ad free, but you know it's going to them. So yeah. I'm afraid I'm very basic and boring. I'm basically uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. Yeah. Couldn't be less imaginative or different to. to <laughs> I, don't I don't. But I do wonder though. I do wonder. Like apart from your basic Facebook powered apps, right? Which everyone's kind of and and some sort of social media. Social media probably has to be the biggest or the most popular apps that people use, right? Like, you've really got to be doing something different if, I don't know, your most used app was something to do with Adobe or something. I don't know. Like Yeah, yeah, I'd get the MacBook out if it was that. Yeah. So There's a limit to what you can do on a screen that big. Very true, very true. So, but yeah, interesting. Right, Mike, Mike, thanks for being our guest on today's show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get, we're going to get down and dirty with Tesla. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Down and dirty. I don't know why I said down and dirty. It's yes. not down and dirty at all. <laughs> worst, worst trail for the next part of the show ever apologies listeners i made it far more exciting than it is um no but tesla users there was a short sorry a shortage an outage with the app which locked hundreds of tesla drivers out of their cars over the weekend i did read this i did read this and i i if i'm honest right i think it's terrible and i feel really sorry for those people but just take your bloody key with you like stop showing off honestly stop showing off like I, I saw some of the yeah some of the tweets that people wrote um like 
I'm stranded an hour away from home and I can't get into my car and I can't drive like that car. So it's not for all Tesla models, right? That mm -hmm. car that has the app, they have like a key, almost like a card, it looks like a credit card. That is the key for it, right? So they get that as well as the app. But then I always think, why are you so reliant on an app? Like, just take your bloody key with you, you know, put it in your wallet or something. But yeah, but then as soon as I said that, I've just realized that sometimes I don't even take my wallet out with me for days and I just use Apple Pay on my phone and if that was if something was to happen to that then you know it's yeah. no i think that's a fair that's a fair kind of link so 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 here it was the model three right that went mm. down and it, there is a key isn't there yeah yeah so you do have the option of of kind of having your key with you and mm. fine if the app works then brilliant it's a similar thing i've got monzo on the phone um i will quite often go down to the shops with just my phone but then if for whatever reason that doesn't work. If I haven't got my wallet on me, I'm stuffed. Yeah. And yeah. so you can't like I we we both have you know high usage of technology and are I would say probably early adopters, but there is a risk that if you just rely on it at the minute, it that does work. sometimes leave it can leave you in a slightly vulnerable position. Yeah, it's happened to me before. Have you ever like gone to the shops and like got like a whole basket of things and they go Oh, sorry, your contactless isn't working. Can you put your card in? Because like the, yeah. the the manual part's working, but your contactless isn't, and you're like, oh, uh, well, I haven't got my card on me, and then they kind of look at you like, well, how how are you expecting to pay? It's like, oh no, no I've got, phone. yeah, exactly, I've got contactless, and then you're like, okay, I'll leave that. That's happened to me a few times, like a couple yeah. of times, yeah, and you you kind of have to go all the way back, and it's just a bit of a faff, but you know, um, I think if I had a car like that, I'd just take the key. I don't know. I haven't got a Tesla um, and I've never had a car that can open up with an app, to be honest. But if I did, I'd maybe just, I'd maybe just take the key, like just to be safe, you know, but simple solutions. I, I'd be interested if anyone's listening. Can they, can they share with us an, an example where they've relied on technology and it's left them in a tricky or sticky situation? Hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't really think of any apart from that. Really, I, I don't know. You never, you never know. Someone might have an interesting story to share. Hmm. I do, I do know of someone that thought they had, um, that thought they had bought flights for a certain day, and turned out it was the following year that they had bought flights for. So they all got ready and didn't really check and rocked up to the airport, and <clears throat> they had no record of them actually getting onto a flight that day, um, and they actually had to go for someone's wedding, and. Uh, when they checked the ticket, it was for the following year and not that day. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious, to be honest. But, you know, and, and their their excuse was, oh, I did it all through the app, you know, so it must have been the Emirates app that messed up, not me. But as we know, technology is only as good as a user using it, right? So um, I won't give his name away. He's a numpty. But, uh, but yeah. What is it? Craftsman and tools don't, you know, Backcraftsman blames the tools or whatnot. Yeah, something like that. Oh, something yeah. like that. <laughs> right, Akish, thank you for joining me. I, I, I feel that I should let you get back on with work and not to rub it in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go just do nothing. No, that's what, not true. What, what, what are you doing this evening, mate? What are you doing? We'll sort out the podcast that so goes out tomorrow. Oh, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. And I'm probably watching an audience from Adele from last night. Oh, I have not watched that. 
from what I've seen on social media, and uh, I've, I've already listened to the album um, and cried myself uh, whilst driving. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but it, 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 does, it does look very, very good. Um, yeah, it looks very, very good. I'm sure that it is. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. As we say again, happy Thanksgiving to US listeners, and we'll be back on Friday. I'm